0: All right, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Go ahead and pull out your Bibles, open up to uh, two places, and we're going to get going because, uh, you know, you start praying and worshiping a little more, and you eat up some of your time, and then that's how you end up right here. So I'm going to get going this morning. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 is going to be spot number one, and then uh, 1 John 4 is where we're going to go, and similar to last week, I just have, I got a lot for this morning so we'll see what we have time to share with you and I figure I'll just start with a ton of the Bible so get ready for that because if if nothing else I'm going to read you a ton of the Bible and then if I say anything that's fine. We're continuing our series, Bring Me Another Jar. We've been in it for a while, and specifically over this month of February, we're talking about this word. How do we bring God another jar by emptying out some, some ideas and concepts of some things so that we can get filled with his word and his truth? We started off the month talking about emptying out our maybe preconceived notions of calling and how that is a primarily you know personal thing that I need to hear from God, but that we are called to be Christians. That is a mighty calling. It is a mighty gift and and God in his word He, he urges us to walk in a manner worthy of that calling as a Christian you have a calling and you need to live up to it it's worth living up to I've gotten too used to it over the last few weeks. (laughs) Then we started talking about, okay, how do we walk in this manner worthy worthy of the calling to which we've been called? How do we walk out this calling of being a Christian? And we've been talking the last three weeks about the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. Virtues that do not come from ourselves, but they are a gift from God that empower us to live towards Him, to live for Him, to live focused on Him, and the way we do it is, by receiving these things from him, amen? So oftentimes, faith, hope, and love, we, we conceptualize them as things that we ought to stir up in, in and of ourselves, but no, they are invitations from God. Say, come to me empty and let me fill you with faith, with hope, and with love. So we're finishing that up this morning, and then next week, we are, I think we're wrapping up, bringing me another jar next week, and we've got a friend and mentor coming in town. His name's David Campbell, and he's going to be sharing next week, and you guys are not going to want to miss it. It's going to be a beautiful time together. Would you stand for the reading of the Word of God? You're going to be standing for a little while. I said 1 Corinthians 13, I meant 12. We're going to read 12 and 13 and then go over to 1 John 4. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowered them all in everyone to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good for to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit to another working of miracles to another prophecy to another the ability to distinguish between spirits to another various kinds of tongues to another the interpretation of tongues all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apports To each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink from one spirit. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another." If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues are all apostles Are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts? And I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love... So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God, anyone who does not love, does not know God. Because God is love. In us. Why not? (laughs) By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. because, Because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God. God abides in him and he in God. we love because he first loved us if anyone says i love god and hates his brother he is a liar and for he, for he does not for he who does not love his brother whom he has whom he has seen cannot love god whom he has not seen and this commandment we have from him whoever loves god must also love his brother thank you lord we love you and we Appreciate your word this morning. This little bit of time left. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to be taught and exhorted and encouraged and rebuked and reproved and trained into every act of righteousness under your glory. Lord, we pray that we would be humble before your mighty word this morning. We pray, God, that we would come to you empty, that we might be filled with this love that comes from you. Lord, we need your love. Lord, we lay aside our concepts. We lay aside our own ambitions. We lay aside our own opinions. Lord, we lay ourselves aside this morning, and we come to you empty, and we're asking for you to fill us with the revelation of Jesus. We're asking, God, that you would pour out your spirit on us this morning. Lord, I do pray that you would pour out your spirit and power on every person in this room. Lord, I'm praying for all of us, Lord, that we would stop trying so hard and we st- would start receiving your love. That we would love you with the love that you have loved us. That we would love one another with the love that you have loved us. That we would love the world with the love which, with, with which you have loved us. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody in here who doesn't know you this morning, that they would be overcome by who you are. Though we're praying for a revelation of the love of God, that, that the love of God was made manifest in this, that he sent his son for us. Though we pray that the love of God would be made manifest in us who know and believe and confess that you made yourself flesh to be given for us. Though we pray that the world would know true love because we know the true God. Lord, we're praying that you would fill us with your great and beautiful spirit. By this one spirit, you would bind us together in love. Lord, by this one spirit, we would serve one another in love. By this one spirit, we would walk in your power in love. By this one spirit, we would be your body to the world in love. Show us, God, where we have not love and where we are nothing. So that we don't waste our time. But that we might be filled And let these things remain in us, faith, hope, and love. And Lord, let the greatest be love in us. Lord, teach us to love one another. That we would not be liars who say we love you but don't love each other. Bring us to confession. Bring us to repentance that we might be filled with the love of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Go ahead and sit down. Thank you, Lord. Well, that's pretty much the sermon for this morning is all that. Everything you just read, let's just do that and believe it and stuff. (laughs) Not really sure what else I have to say, honestly. I got a lot written down, but not really sure what we're here to do. I want to talk about why we read all of that. Um, okay, so the book of 1 and 2 Corinthians. To, to understand 1 Corinthians 13, it would be helpful for us to understand the bigger picture that it's a part of. Love is one of those things that gets talked about a lot. And I guess here's what I'm trying to say, Sam. <laughs> I'm worked up. Because this whole thing of love, and God is love, and love is patient, love is... All these things, it's gotten so disordered and manipulated, and you are just absolutely lied to and every day, all day, and I don't like that because I love you. So that's where I'm at this morning. I'm like, God, help us. Set us free, because Jesus says you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the world and everything around you and yourself, honestly, you lie to yourself and you get lied to all the time. And we've got to be oriented around the word of God because he is really good. You believe that by faith, right? And we can know that goodness. I have hope that I will know that goodness. Amen. And so what he's trying to get in you is his love by faith and hope. The greatest thing he's putting in you is his love. And so we need to talk about God's love according to God's word, God's way, so we can have the real thing this morning. The book of First and Second Corinthians is written to the Corinthian church, and if you read them, you will find out really quickly that the Bible is not all sweet and cuddly all the time. These letters are written to the church in Corinth because they are super jacked up. So if you've ever been hurt in church, you fit perfectly in the Bible. And that's just, it is what it is, because us people have been screwing stuff up for a long, long time. And that doesn't make it okay, but here we are, we need Jesus. They've got all kinds of stuff. They've got gifts. They've got positions of power. They're moving in the glory of God, but they don't have love and it's love that is ordering all of what they're supposed to be walking in. See, we've got to understand, we've been talking about this, that, that God created everything. And, and in his creation, he has ordered certain things certain ways because he's the one who built it. So he got to make that decision. So things work the way that he says they work because he's the one who made them. You can like it or not like it, but it is what it is. You not liking it doesn't change it, right? So we might as well get on board here. How are things supposed to work? And, and so this, this church, they, they had everything. First, first Corinthians 12, they've, they've got spiritual gifts. And if you read up to 12, they're working in these gifts, but they're manipulating them. And basically, church has become a place where people are building platforms for themselves. And like, they're spiritualizing things to say, you know what? God's on my side, so I should just get what I want and do it my way. I'll throw Jesus on it, and we'll all say that that was the will of God. And it's, they're making messes. They're hurting people. It's disgusting. It's nasty. It's repulsive. And that's repulsive to us. And we've got a sinful nature. Imagine what God thought about it. you know. And this is what we find in First Corinthians. So Paul is writing to them. And, and God, through Paul, is instructing them. I'm not saying throw out the church. Just because you're messing it up. Let's get this thing properly ordered so that the church is what it's supposed to be. Because you have a calling, church. You are called to something. It's spelled out for us. You are called to be this body of Christ. God took on a body and flesh and bone, and then God in that flesh and bone body looked at you and me and said, you know what? It's actually better for you that I leave. It's better for you that you be the body of Christ. So, you have a calling, church, to be the body of Christ. You are still absolutely an individual, but you are an individual member of something. And you are not the head, whatever your part is. (laughs) We are members of one another unto the Lord, unto the head of Jesus Christ. So the church had gotten all backwards. They had all the good spiritual stuff going on. They were preaching the gospel. They were doing all this stuff, but they didn't have it in love. And so they were a clanging cymbal. They were a resounding gong. They had nothing. They had nothing because they hadn't put first things first. They had lost love. The church is not called to be fancy. The church is called to be functional. And that's what 1 Corinthians 12 is getting at. You have a function, you've been leveraging church to be fancy for yourself. He says, Yes, God has given positions. And there is an order to those positions. God has ordained apostles. God has ordained prophets. God has ordained teachers. Yes, God is building his body. Yes, absolutely. There is an order to things. But, but those positions are not for you to feel fancy. They are for you to serve a function. Yes, God has given gifts by his spirit. Yes, they will blow your mind. Yes, God can do things that you cannot do. But he will do the things that you cannot do through you. But they are not for you to be fancy. They are for you to be functional. And that function is to serve his body. They've been obsessed with these gifts. They've been obsessed with these positions. But God, through Paul, he says, There's, these gifts are real and they are for you. These positions are real and they are for you. But there is still a higher gift. There is still a more excellent way. There is still something that must come first. Earnestly desire this higher gift. There is something more important than all these positions that are, that are important, but there's something more important. There is something to be desired more than these gifts. These gifts are to be desired, but there is something higher that must be desired. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, if I have prophetic powers and understand everything, if I have all faith, if I have all these positions, if I have all these gifts, but I have not love, I gain nothing. I gain nothing. Says church, if you fill yourself with positions and powers and experiences and abilities and knowledge, but you have not love, you have hewed out for yourselves broken cisterns that hold no water. You have nothing. You are an empty jar. And isn't it just the goodness of God to say, now that you're empty, come? What grace and mercy is this? Come to me, church, and let me fill you. Chapter 12 is not an encouragement to the church and to Christians to, to be their most true inner selves. It's not saying, church, that's what you're here for. You're here to be the truest you. (laughs) And you just need to go deeper and and find you. And you need to get gifted so that you can be the most real you. So that you can know you and everyone else can know you and bend towards you. Because you are so important. It's not talking about that. It's it's talking about walking in the spiritual gifts. These are things that, by definition, by label themselves, you do not have these things of yourselves. They are spiritual He's talking about walking in the spiritual gifts. These things that you do not have within yourself, they are given to you by God. And they are for God. Chapter 12 is not talking about how you need to come to church so that you can live out your dreams and manifest your calling and things. He's talking about taking up the positions in his body appointed to you by him. These positions that are not not your idea, they are not for your glorification. They are given to you for God and for His glory. And then on that backdrop, as we come into 1 Corinthians 13, we now understand that chapter 13 is not about being loving. Hey church, just be loving. Be loving to the world. Be more loving. Be more loving. It's not about being loving. It's about having love. Not the love that you conjure up in and by yourself, but have the love of God given to you by God. It is about a more excellent way. Not the way you feel like walking in, but the way shown to you by God. Love is patient and kind. What is this love that comes from God? It's not be loving and whatever that means to you. No, it is first have love. Get possessed by love. You have nothing without love, so come to me and let me fill you with love. Let me fill you with this love. It's patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. What is it about this love? Love that you need. You need to be filled, church, with this love that never ends. What is is love? Something that we need to know about love. We're learning about this love and love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Everything we see will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. When I was a child, all I wanted was the gifts But when I became a man, I realized what I needed most was the giver. When I was a child, I chased after all of these things for my own sake. But when I became a man, I grew up and I realized I am here for him. I am not mostly pursuing all the things that he can give for me and do for me. I need the giver himself. This is a mark of spiritual maturity, my friends. A mark for you to set out for yourself. Are you most ambitious about the gifts? Or are you most ambitious about coming to the giver? As a man, I gave up those childish ways. I understand now that it is the giver who is the ultimate gift. He is the prize. He is the higher way. Now... I understand as a man that I just see in a mirror dimly. But I have a hope. I have this certain hope that though I'm now seeing a mirror dimly, then face to face, I will see him. I have hope now. I only know in part. But I have a hope that then I shall know fully. Even as I have been fully known. So now... Between this day and that day, my greatest desire, the highest way that I will set my life to walk after will be to come to the giver as an empty jar that he might fill me with faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love because love is the one that never ends. Everything you're having faith for, it will pass away. Don't let go. Keep believing. Time is short. Time is short. Everything you have hope for, you're not going to need hope then. The Bible tells us, who has hope for what he's seen? That's not hope at all. When you see him, you won't need hope anymore, but love will endure. Love will never end. Why? Because love is from God, and God is love. Turn to 1 John chapter 4. Love is from God. Verse 7 tells us, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Love is the theological virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. Love is not a feeling or a personality trait or a culturally shaped idea. Love is from God. And to love with the love from God, we must be born of God and we must know God. Verse 8 tells us anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And now we finally get to the part where we get to start doing some preaching here. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is the little phrase, God is love, that has been used, abused, and manipulated and misunderstood. And we've got to do some work this morning to get it cleared up properly. Love is not God. God is love. No, love is not God. Love does not define God. God defines love. God is many things, and the individual things we know about God must be understood in relation to all of the other things that we know about God. Are you tracking with me? Yes. The way we know someone is by knowing not just one thing about them. We get to know the individual part of them by getting to know other parts of them. So like for me, as so I've walked with people, sometimes it takes some time for this to happen. Sometimes it takes time for people to understand my kindness in light of my passion. Are you tracking? God is many things, and the way we understand things about him is by understanding more about him. The thing about God that he is primarily concerned with us knowing is that he is holy. The thing about God that God is most concerned about us emulating is His holiness. The most prominent revelation of God that the creatures of heaven have of God as they stare at God is that He is holy. The primary eternal song of heaven is that God is holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. We understand God's goodness in the light of His holiness. We can know God in all of these ways, but there there is an order to things. And we must first understand about God that God is holy. And it is his holiness that brings to light everything everything else about him. None of it's contradictory, but it is how we understand other elements of him. We understand God's goodness, not by us thinking about what is good, but by us understanding the holiness of God. And similarly, we understand his love in the light of his holiness. Somebody was recently helping me with this, and they were saying, you know, sometimes we say, well, how do we see God's way? How do we see God? And we put on different lenses, you know, we can say, well, God's holy, but he's also loving. And we kind of put that on the other eye, and it sort of seems like these things contradict. But that's not a right way of orienting the revelation of God that he himself gives us. Let's remember, God doesn't reveal himself according to the way I want him to reveal himself. He reveals himself according to himself. And then I choose if I want to come in line with that, right? So the way he reveals himself is that first he is holy. He is not loving and then holy. We we put on the holy lens first, and then it is through that lens that we now see his love. We see his goodness. We see his mercy. We see his justice. We see his righteousness, Why does all this matter? The world that you live in believes that love is God. The world you live in believes love is amorphous and individually defined by personal feelings and opinions. Therefore, the world you live in thinks that God is amorphous and individually defined by personal feelings and opinions. That is the world that you live in. That is everything that is told to you every day. That is the momentum of every environment you go into. And everything that you are coached on and taught by the world comes from this foundation. And we talked about this last January. If this is true, then that means, man, we're really swimming upstream then, aren't we? Yes. It's like, shoot, to understand this, I'm going to feel like every day is a punch in the face. Because it is. I'm going to feel like i got to work to follow Jesus. i got to work to be oriented around his word. It's, I can't just assume that somebody has my best interests in mind and they know what they're talking about. I need to actually build my entire life on the word of God. What I'm telling you, my friends, and, and I'm just sharing this, it's like I, I've been realizing this too and it's been scaring me that there are areas of my life where I have been subconsciously assuming that left to my own ideas and devices and opinions and left with the input of the world, I'll generally head towards the things of God. And what I need is the Word of God to kind of take off the rough edges as we go. No, no. It is a hard stop and a hard turnaround To head towards the things of God. And this is true about love. The truth is that God is love. God is love. Love is from God and born of God and love knows God. You do not know God by defining love and then putting him in your love box. You know love by God revealing himself and then you put love in the God box. My encouragement to you this morning is to not understand God through your understanding of love, but to understand love through your knowledge of God. My other encouragement to you this morning is to not trust anything or anyone that tells you about love until either you or that person has approached an understanding of love by first starting with an understanding of God. Yes, I'm telling you to stop listening to everyone. And we can only laugh because it's that intense. Stop listening to everyone. Come with me now here. All this deconstruction stuff, people walking away from the faith, poo pooing on the church and Christians and the Bible and historical orthodoxy and faithful Christian practice because I just don't think a loving God would. When someone says that, stop listening. Stop listening. I'm not saying be rude. I'm just saying stop listening. Because that statement reveals that whatever that person is about to say is completely out of order. When you start thinking that, stop thinking. Because the way you are thinking is completely out of order. We're going to go back to our diagram. And I asked... Diego to create it for me on the screen today, so that's going to be good. We talked about this a couple times over the last year or so. We start with God. Right? In the beginning, God. Okay, in the beginning, God created. So God, then after God, we get time. It's kind of a big one, right? And then in the beginning, so in the beginning, we have God and God creates. We have creation. God creates the heavens and the earth. So we've got the spiritual heavens side of things, and we've got the, the physical realm. Are you tracking with me here? Yeah. Who's thankful for the diagram? Way to go, Diego. Yeah. This, this, is, this is rough, but follow with me here. So we've got God, we've got time, we've got creation, then we've got out of creation, we have the heavens and the earth, the spiritual and the physical. If we just follow down the physical line here for a second, we have uh, earth and then the whole rest of the universe. Right, like the universe is big, and one little part of the physical creation is earth, right? After that, we have stuff that happens on earth. We'll say there's humans, and then there's everything that's not human. Again, rough categories here, right? (laughs) Then let's just follow down the human train here for a second. When we get humans, we've got things humans do and things humans don't do. Are you calling me here? Now, under the things humans do category, we have thinking and feeling. If you start defining God by a thought or a feeling you've had, you are about seven or eight layers out of order here. Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. The postmodern version is, I think, therefore I am right. Which is exactly the same thing as saying, I think, therefore I am God. When there is something you don't understand about God, the place to start is not by consulting your thoughts and feelings. Not because they're not real. They're real, for sure. We just got to get ordered. Where we start is by consulting God. So as this pertains to how you ought to pursue understanding of God and his love, who God really is and what his love really is, because let's all say, that's hard. Knowing God, God's hard to understand sometimes. And God is love and God does some things that I don't understand. And then I definitely don't understand how they're loving, right? Like we're all in that boat together, or at least most of us. Raise your hand. Give some... Oh, come on, raise your hand. So everybody look around. You're not alone, okay? So this isn't like, how could you think that? No, we're all thinking it, so what do we do with it? What do we do with it? How do we think through this stuff in an ordered way? So as it pertains to how you ought to pursue an understanding of God and His love, when that's challenging, let me give you a new outline to follow as you consider your thoughts and feelings and understanding of God. God is... Amen. God is love God is love and then he said or did whatever thing you're struggling with or didn't do you tracking with me here? it's rough so God is, God is love and then God did or said something that I don't understand or didn't do or didn't say something that I don't understand and that's where, we, that's where we're stuck right? so we all get there but where do we go from there? Now we go, instead of directly to our thoughts and feelings, we go to God, who is love, please teach me and help me understand you. I don't need to understand me some more right now. What I need is I need to understand you. Because you are, and you are love, and so I need to understand you more. And we pursue a revelation of God. For God's sake, not just for our own sake. My my end is him. I, I want to know him. Before I need to know an answer to this whole thing, I've got to know him. God, help me know and understand you more. Then you get a little revelation or you get an understanding or you work it through with some people and you start to make some progress. And then the next layer then is God, who is love, please help this now new deeper understanding of who you are Give me greater understanding of what love is in light of what you said or did. What I'm saying is God is love. And whatever he said or did or didn't say or didn't do, it was loving. And I don't understand that by thinking about it and feeling about it more. I go to know him more. And then I say, okay, God, now that I know you more, help me understand how in light of who you are, this thing lines up with you. What is the love of God? Verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Everything is to be understood through that lens. The gospel really is that good and really is that big and really is that true. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. I love that. (laughs) What is love has nothing to do with what I think or feel about it. These two verses, it just skips me completely. Other than the fact that I get to get saved. Now verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So what does it look like to have love? And... We really should be loving, for sure. So how do, how do we do this? Is, in light of all of this, we must understand that 1 Corinthians 13 is not primarily a list of loving activities that you need to go out and do and be better at. It is first a list of the revelation of God that you need to receive from Him. You won't learn to love your neighbor your wife or yourself by being taught by the world that you live in or by following your heart. Your world doesn't need love. The world needs God. If you need love, come to God. He is love. If you need to be more loving, come to God. He is love. Do you need more patience? You need more God. Ask him how he's been patient with you. Do you need more kindness? You need a revelation of how God has been kind to you. Are you envious or boastful? Draw near to God. Let him satisfy your soul. Are you arrogant or rude? Draw near to God. Get a revelation of his mercy towards you. Are you insistent on your own way, irritable and resentful? Come to Jesus and learn how to be meek. Do you need more grace and endurance in your love towards others? Come to the cross of Jesus Christ and get a revelation of his grace and his endurance towards you. Because if God so loves you, now you have love with which to love one another. I'm gonna pray for us. (laughs) Lord, I'm not really sure if we should do a song right now or how we're supposed to do this, but I know we need you, Jesus. Kind of have this image in my mind of God coming to a jar and reaching in and scraping out sediment and all kinds of stuff that's been all along the bottom, and I feel like what He's wanting us to know as we end is that, um, you know, the world and the life that you live in, and like you really do need love. You need the love of God. It really is the deepest desire of your heart. And it's okay to dump out everything else that's been lying to you and not satisfying you. And it's okay to stop lying to yourself that things that are satisf- aren't satisfying you um, are. You don't have to believe that anymore. You are free. I've been praying for you all morning that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. You really are free to come to God empty and get filled with him. There's sin you need to pour out, you need to confess it, you need to get it out. There's hindrances and weights that have to be gotten rid of, and that's kind of scary, but you're free. Lord, I pray that we would come to you. Lord, I pray that right now as we leave, that you, by your word this morning and by your Holy Spirit, would I pray that everybody would walk out of here with a transformed mind. Thank you, Lord. But I pray that we would consecrate ourselves to you. But I pray that you would give us an absolute distaste for all the lies of the world and our flesh. But I pray that we would have new ears by the Holy Spirit. To listen to your voice. I pray, God, that everybody would leave this room with a hunger for your word that's greater than when they walked in. I know I need that, Lord. God, I pray that we would just give in and stop trying to be so self sufficient, and we would just come and starve for your beautiful word to shape us and fill us, to be filled by this one spirit together. We pray that you would teach us to love one another. And we pray, God, that we would love one another because we have a revelation of how you loved us. I pray that we would be quick to run to the gospel. We would be quick to surrender to you and who you are. I pray, God, that you would give everyone boldness to to really love people with the love that you love them with. Lord, I pray that for all of us, if there's sin in our hearts right now, that we would not be able to leave without confessing it to whoever we need to confess it to. It's like you said, if we confess our sins to one another, you are gracious and faithful to forgive us from all unrighteousness. I pray that we would walk out of here clean and full of the love of God. I pray that everybody who needs a deeper revelation of your love, which would be all of us, that we would walk out knowing the good news. Send us out in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the love of God. Amen.